Welcome in, everybody, to another edition of Two Sport Town, our NFL podcast here at the St. Louis Post-Dispatch. I'm Ben Fredrickson, sitting alongside the great Jim Thomas, and I have a feeling I'm going to catch some flack today because I wasn't around for the last episode. I was at Cardinal Spring Training, and I just want to warn you guys that there may or may not have been some slanderous uh, information um, provided about me that's all false. And also, you might hear some later on in the program when we bring you a conversation between Bob Wallace, friend of the program, and Bob Bunton of the National Football Foundation. Um, JT, I just wanted to get out in front of that because uh, I want the listeners to know that they can't always believe everything they hear on this podcast. Well, this is what you call damage control, and, <laughs> and, I, and I don't know if it's is it is was Bob Wallace pinch hitting for Ben Fred or is Ben Fred pinch hitting for for Bob Wallace? What do you think, executive producer Gary Harrelson? I don't know. I don't know. And so Gary here, doesn't have a mic. You right? yeah. You he doesn't enough have a mic. People, enough people are trying to take my job on this podcast. You've been gone forever, not just spring training, but uh, also uh, I guess there was a Cardinal game that was rained out, and it was uh, it was moved to the next day, and it was right during our recording time and uh we went we sometimes we go to pretty great lengths to line up these guests and we have to get all the stars aligned and so we had to go without you again but uh thanks to bob wallace who uh who who pinch hit yeah i think he likes sitting in your seat we know gary harrelson likes sitting in your seat uh you you could be an endangered species ben i'm a marked man and uh i'm feeling the pressure so i I plan to be here for uh, for everyone moving forward now now if you vacate your seat you never know there might be someone who comes in and wally no if yeah and if you want to you know if you're upset about that maybe you could file a lawsuit (laughs) on it oh wait a minute what what lawsuit who what Fifteen months after my job is taken, I will come back and uh, file a lawsuit and try to uh, try to get my money back. So let's dive into it, man. The big news, you broke it yesterday. Um, you had, I think, three stories, and uh, there will be continuing to be coverage of this. St. Louis, the city, the county, um, the uh, the Dome Complex Authority, they've, they're suing the, the NFL and all of its teams, um, saying, look, you guys didn't follow the relocation guidelines. We have all of this evidence as to how you were dealing in bad faith uh, when the relocation guidelines said you're dealing in good faith. And we lost money because of this. We lost money on... Um, on things that were paid for while you were here. We lost money on trying to get come up with a proposal that would keep you in town. Um, let's start from the beginning. Um, take us from the top. How did this come to be? What is the goal of it? And how uh, how do you think this is going to play out just a couple days into the news? Well, I mentioned in the original story, someone told me that there was actually some work done on this almost two years ago, even before the relocation. I think we all knew entering that last season in St. Louis that this was on the horizon. And I, you know, I may have just overstated it a little bit in the article, but they were doing maybe some information gathering. And it's not that two years ago, and I want to make this clear, it's not two years ago I said, we're going to file a lawsuit. But it takes a while. You, it's, it's just not like you're in college and you're writing a term paper the night before the term papers do. Uh, there's a lot that goes into this. And I wonder also, did they wait to see how Oakland and San Diego played out just to see how the league treated them did they also uh take them a while to get the city and county together we all know it's debatable some days where where the city and county can agree if the sun rose in the east or in, in the west so they had to agree to do this and it takes some political will to take on the nfl i mean so they've decided finally and it doesn't really bother me that it took 15 i did 
I actually I think it could be a positive thing. Yeah, let if it, it would have came off. out a week after, I think you, your immediate reaction is this is reactionary, knee jerk, knee jerk reaction. This is bitter, right. and this is something that is going to be emotional and not well researched and calculated. To me, and I don't, I won't pretend to be a lawyer, but reading the lawsuit, fifty-three pages, um, it comes across as uh, it's 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 surgical, it's clinical. It is a it's facts. It's not emotional, and it yeah. comes. And it, it goes bullet that's, point that's, by bullet point of look. This is what was said. It's here's how I read it. This is what your rules say about relocation. This is what you said about relocation, and this is what you did, and this is what you said after. That really puts a lot of the things that you said during and beforehand uh, cast it in proves that you were lying the whole time. And this is what your this is this is how it went against the guidelines that you lay out. As a league, that includes court-ordered recommendations on relocation. So what happened to the relocation guidelines? That's the question that we've been asking for this whole time. I mean, when Eric Grubman came to town and he was carrying around the relocation guidelines like 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 the Ten Commandments, chiseled into stone. Telling All us that how was it, missing was Charles Charlton Heston from the old movie. Telling right? us how important they were. And as it became clear that St. Louis was actually going to come up with a serious attempt to keep its team, how his stance on that softened, how he started backpedaling, how all of a sudden they became suggestions instead of guidelines, instead of rules. And then Roger Goodell, you know, even softening his stance on this, you saw it all playing out. And what this lawsuit does is takes all of this information and puts it in a timeline where you say, man, this thing was, we knew it was rigged. But when you see it all at once, you go, wow, like how can they, how can this be allowed when you're talking about cities losing lots of money? So I just wonder when you look at the league and how it started to relocate, you've had other areas move their teams. One thing to point out, you have to point out is that San Diego and Oakland, you feel bad for them for losing their teams, but they didn't make a uh, valiant effort to try to keep their teams. They had different priorities. That's fine. I'm not judging them because of it. Obviously, if the NFL wants to leave you, it leaves you. So why try to keep it? Mm -hmm. But St. Louis came up with a plan that was described. I mean, you can even look back at what Bob McNair said. Close to a viable plan. Owner of the Houston Texans, very well-respected NFL owner, chairman of one of the most powerful committees, the Finance Committee, when he said last December... He said it was uh, close to a uh, close to a good deal mm-hmm. in in that in that last uh, that last revision that was made to it. Yet Roger Goodell wiped them all off the board and classified them all as uh, as the same, which was unsatisfactory. And then the and then the team moves here. Another interesting wrinkle in the lawsuit is it really tags Jerry Jones as kind of being the puppet master of this whole thing. Which shocker, he was the guy now being cited and praised and criticized as the guy who was behind the uh, the Oakland Raiders move to Las Vegas. Jerry gets what Jerry wants, and you saw how the votes changed when the NFL owners shut the doors and, you know, it was split, and then all of a sudden it was a secret ballot, and then all of a sudden it was, you know, the Rams get the approval. So this lawsuit's asking some of those questions of how did this happen and were the Rams really operating in good faith, and did the league go back on the guidelines that it set in nineteen in the 1980s about how teams are supposed to move. Now, you know, I guess the big question here will be, do the NFL's rules, it's, do their own relocation guidelines matter in a court of law? And, you know, I think previous cases will help determine that. Part of the reasons they were there is part had antitrust issues. Um, you know, that was part of the to reason they were set. give them antitrust protection, right. So uh, you just wonder how a court's going to see it. But when you read the lawsuit, you do think, man, this is a lot of potentially damning information for the Rams and Kevin Demoff and Stan Kroenke and also the league. Yeah, and the uh, cities 
And off the top of my head, I, I can't tell you how many have, that have lost teams have sued, but cities' batting averages aren't, aren't good. I don't know one city that won one uh, a case like this, but this is a this is a different case for a couple of reasons. One, you have these relocation guidelines. Two, you have the, this great body of false statements, misrepresentations. Some would just plain out call them lies, and then you have most would plain out call right and then you have kind of after the fact but the la times interview with uh stan Kroenke and kevin demoff after the night of the relocation vote where they talked about as early as the summer of uh 2013 stan Kroenke calling kevin demoff early in the morning all excited he he'd found the perfect site for a stadium and and it was the ideal site for a stadium kevin demoff saying he's he's long dreamed of uh, being part of the effort to bring football back to St. Louis. So all that is opposite of what they were continually telling St. Louis. And that, people say, okay, well, they lied. So what? Well, here's what you have to factor in. There was money that transferred hands because of those lies. Right. There were agreements that were made that cost the city and the county money. There was more than $16 million that were put into coming up with a stadium plan because St. Louis believed that it had an opportunity to come up with something that would keep the Rams when you can go back and now these things, some of these things have come out since the Rams have moved. Did St. Louis spend that $16 million to hopefully come up with a stadium that could keep the Rams um, in uh, in vain when, when Kroenke was calling Demoff in 2013 saying, I found the perfect place? When, and a when, year later, Demoff was telling fans, there's a one, one in a million chance that we're going to move. Oh, don't, don't worry about the stadium lease. We, we, we're, we're committed to, to being here in 2022, 2032. We, we, we want to build a winner. And you can go back even before that. It's a story that I wrote about at the time and that Jeff Fisher elaborated on a little bit when he was fired in December of 16, uh, of 2016. But in January of 2012, before Fisher was hired, when he was interviewed by Stan Kroenke out in Denver, I wrote a story about this where Fisher left the thing wondering, is he going to move the team? Why does he? Why did he keep asking me questions about what was it like moving the Houston Oilers to Tennessee? How did you handle this? How did you handle that? What were some of the problems of that? This is in the first month of 2012 where he's asking repeated questions to a potential head coach. Yeah, so, he's so, been, yeah. More, been more clear than that since he got fired. Kind of one of his first big interviews after said he was hired with the intention exactly. knowing that Kroenke was going to move the team. So in January of, of, of 2012, we have Fisher saying that he took the job knowing there would be a team. And look at all the things Demoff said, not only just to fans, but to people that they, the Rams were in business with after that. So if there is if there is legal fodder there, that's where I think the hay could be made. Again, let's be honest, this is going to be a long shot. Um, the NFL has a lot of money. It has a lot of really good lawyers. It has a track record of of, of winning these kinds of, of lawsuits, and it doesn't lose very often in court. On the flip side of that, you know what the NFL hates? Discovery. They don't like to go – they don't like to be – um, get into that room and haven't had to say things under oath. They don't like to turn over their records and their files. So a lot of times they settle things. We saw them settle the concussion lawsuit. Mm-hmm. saw them settle other embarrassing things that happened to the league. So you do wonder, even if St. Louis gets some money out of this, maybe perhaps enough to cover the money that it's spent in vain trying to trying to build a stadium that would keep the team in St. Louis, maybe that's a win. I don't know that you have to necessarily win the lawsuit to, to dent the NFL a little bit on this, and I think that is right. Even if it fails, 
I just have a problem with, and people disagree. I've talked to people, we both have, who said, why are they doing this? Mm -hmm. Why can't they just let it go? Mm -hmm. And I understand to some degree that opinion um, because you're tired of hearing about the NFL and you know the NFL tends to win and get, get what it wants. But I also know that if you never stand up to the people who do things the wrong way, then nothing ever changes. If st- nobody ever stands up to Stan Kroenke, if nobody ever stands up to the league that, that ripped a city that loved its team and tried to act like it didn't out of here, then it's going to be able to keep doing it. Um, to me, the, F- the idea of fighting against something that was wrong, it makes sense. Um, and I know there are questions about the law firms that are involved, and, and these are all valid questions that we need to we need to consider. But when I had, especially when you reported the information that the, the law firms involved are not going to be paid unless they win the case, that relieved some of my concerns in that front. I just don't like the idea of the NFL and Kroenke getting a free pass, and us in St. Louis just saying, "Well, that's the way it is." No, maybe you don't win. You know, maybe it's obviously a David versus Goliath situation here. But you should fight. I mean, you should try to say, look, this is wrong. And what you did, we can prove that it was wrong. And you need to do something about it. Or else there's no incentive for people not to do things that are wrong, right? Well, and again, it sounds a little hokey and a little sappy. There are times in life, this is a life lesson. And obviously this is a lesson for the whole region. But there are times in life, even as an individual, where where you have to stand up for yourself and where you have to draw a line and say, that's enough. And Okay, it took 15 months to get to this point. I, I, I like that it was personally that it wasn't a knee-jerk reaction. But, yeah, I, I think this is that point. So so why not contest it? Now, this you know how the league is. The league is very arrogant. Stan Kroenke is very arrogant. They will try to string this out. They will try to pile up the legal fees. As I mentioned earlier, they will test your will, your will of the – politicians involved in this, the entities to, to go forward with this. But now you've decided to jump in the water. So so make, make a full effort. I, I would love nothing better, as you said, than to have a discovery process where there's a trial. And we hear Stan Kroenke up there explaining, well, when you say that you're a Missouri man, people can trust you, that you'll do everything you can to uh, make sure this works, football works in St. Louis. Why did you never meet with the mayor of St. Louis? I'd love to hear what his answer is when uh, Kevin Demoff is on the stand and say, well, Kevin, when you said that there are uh, after the initial purchase of the land, the stadium plot in Inglewood, California, when you said, oh, Stan has his hand right now in dozens of real estate uh, properties across the world. I promise you, none of them have to do with a football stadium. What did you mean there? Commissioner Goodell, when you told Jim Thomas at the Super Bowl press conference when he when he asked you about the Inglewood purchase, and you said, "Oh, we don't need to be overreacting about this. We're going to do everything we can to keep football for the loyal fans of 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 St. Louis." Did you know at that time that Stan Kroenke planned that land for football? I would like that would be fun, wouldn't that be great entertainment? I wish it would. In my wildest dreams, that would be the that would be the best. The best TV, the best TV ever to watch that court case live. I mean, to see that play out, on, I can just imagine on court TV. These guys having to talk about this, um, you know, and not only just the, the the comments that backtracked all over themselves, but the but the facts that would come out through discovery, the emails and the text messages and the internal memos and all of the things that would prove 
that uh, these weren't just quotes to reporters because they're going to push back. Well, I misspoke or well, I. But if 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 that ever got to the point where you could subpoena records and figure out what was really going on there, what happened to that one hundred million dollars that was promised that then disappeared um, when it came to you know and then getting that, an extra hundred million to and build then a stadium that was later promised to, to other cities before right. the Raiders. Moved. So what what really happened with with all that? I mean, these are questions that will go unanswered forever and the only hope of getting them is to do something like this that's why i'm in i'm in support of it i just don't think just because they're big and bad and powerful that they you let them get away with it you fight that's what the right thing to do is and uh and i hope you know i know it's a long shot but i hope something good does come out of it Uh, maybe the league just doesn't want to deal with it and they know that they've been tagged on some of this if there is karma in the world jim it will tie back to the interview that they gave the L.A. Times as they were flying from St. Louis to Los Angeles. You know, when, when Dimoff is gloating about, you know, how this all came to be and he's admitting things that contradict things that he'd said in St. Louis for years. If it could be pegged on that, man, that would be that would be karma at its best. Yeah, no, it certainly would. And let me point out to people who maybe haven't followed the, the entire relocation saga closely, even nationally, even people that cover this for a living st louis is a different case than oakland and san diego i feel bad for the fans of san diego and oakland but they did next to nothing to keep their teams they well, made, look smart for doing it right they made no public <laughs> money available right. and i get that that's the political climate there fine st louis put up 400 million dollars of public money st louis also had a 158 million dollar naming rights deal on top of that for the stadium most of which traditionally has gone to the owner st louis spent by now it's probably almost 17 million to keep a team i had an attorney tell me uh yesterday who's very familiar with the history of of all this uh said no city's ever put up $17 million to try to keep a team. That's why this relocation in St. Louis is different than the others. And so that's why maybe, maybe it has a chance. I mean, it's just to me, just thinking logically, the relocation guidelines seem like a sham, and then you have this mound of statements, false statements, misrepresentation, lies, or whatever, those are the two things that gnaw at me at, at this case and wonder legally how will a judge rule it. So we'll see what happens. We'll see how far the league goes with this. What's your bottom line? If I were the league right now and I were Stan Kroenke and, and you were uh, Blitz, uh, the attorney Bob Blitz, and I called you up and said, hey, okay, you say you're out $16.2 million. Here's a check for $17 million. Go away. Would you take it? If St. Louis could get its money back, for the the amount that it wasted in trying to build it build a stadium, that's what Bain, that check would be. For. I think that would uh, I think I would say we'll take it. You know, because they're, they're gonna the 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 alternate. I think that would be a win. Let me make that clear. I think that's a win um, because that's money that that should have never been spent because the they they had their minds made up for years before that they whatever you could have built them Rome on the riverfront and they weren't staying. I mean, it's mm-hmm. clear now. Especially re, go download the lawsuit. We got it on our website. And read the read the um, examples in there. Some of them will be familiar, some of them won't be as much. But read that and tell me that St. Louis could have came up with a plan that would have kept the NFL in St. Louis. If they could, if they would pay that back, I'd say, yeah, you know, we'll dust our hands of this, we'll walk away, and we'll be better off without the NFL. Now, I don't think they'll do that. 
I think they're going to try to drag this out. They're going to try to bleed it dry, and they'll try to get you know they'll try to get the city and the county and the uh, authority to give up. I think that's that that's going to be their game plan on this. I mean, clearly the response from the NFL does not sound like a, a group that wants to has any interest in settling. No. So tell no. the tell people who haven't seen the response what the NFL's reaction to the lawsuit was. Well, we, we, the the league says that it worked very hard. They were honest and fair about the thing, and basically, in no way would they. Would they do anything to hurt little old St. Louis? So, you know? I mean, we'll see how it goes. It's, I don't think the story is going away anytime, anytime soon. But, uh, you know, I am, I'll say this, I'm, I'm happy that they're going to give it a shot because I think the, the more you let people in power abuse it, the more they tend to do so. So maybe this is a, uh, maybe this works, maybe it doesn't, but I'm glad that St. Louis is saying, look, you shouldn't get away with this. I think that's the, I think that's the right move. And just one more thing, and I know what we got to get to this great discussion that you guys had without me. Thanks a lot. Um, here coming up in a minute, but for people who said, well, the lease was bad. Yes, the lease was bad, and there was a loophole in it, that first-tier clause that should have never been written in in the first place. These are all things that we can agree on and still think this lawsuit matters. This is not about the lease. The lease is what gave Kroenke the out, but what they said even after that, what they said about wanting to stay here, what they said about having no interest in moving. These things all had nothing to do with the lease. Even with the lease, it's supposed to be hard to move a team. Other teams have have, have gotten out of their lease. San Diego and the was stadium, year to the year. stadium proposal that St. Louis believed it was, and you can say they were stupid for believing it, whatever. They believed that they were building that with a chance to keep the team. That would have fixed the lease. So you can't say this all is null and void because of the bad lease. That's just inaccurate. That, you, no, you're right. You're right. And, and, and you know, we, we've still got a little ways to go before the draft. Hopefully uh, next week we can talk a little bit about the draft. I do have a, a feeling my my, uh, my good friend here, Ben Fred, will we'll be talking about this lawsuit more in probably the next couple of years because uh, these, these things don't, don't go away suddenly. Yeah, I'll just, I'll just also take a second to, to say good work on your part, man. I mean, you had the story and you had three stories on it before anybody else knew what was going on. And uh, it's, it's, it was cool to see you uh, breaking this news that is going to be big news in St. Louis for a, a long time to come. So congratulations on your part, and, uh, and we'll keep following up here on the, uh, on the podcast. Yeah, well, well, thanks. And, and uh, readers, uh, maybe a lot of people read the main story, but there's also an interesting sidebar story listing all the statements. It's, it's an incredible chronology in your column, which I thought was very good. You, you called it Kevin Demoff's Greatest Hits because it's got a lot of statements chronicled in the lawsuit from Kevin Demoff. Also, a nice little sidebar, uh, a whole page, basically a whole page of the 52-page lawsuit was devoted to Jerry Jones's role conspiring with Stan Kroenke to make it happen. It's called uh, Torches Interference of Business Expectancy. In, in other words, interfering with St. Louis's business relationship with the Rams by a third party, that third party being Jerry Jones. So it'll be, it'll be fun to follow. Yes, and uh, I encourage you also just to read the lawsuit for yourself. We put the all of the file on our website at stltoday.com. Also, the, uh, where you can find all of the uh, previous podcasts of Two Sport Town. It's easy, stltoday.com slash NFL podcast or just any of the, uh, the apps you use to download podcasts or listen to music, iTunes, Google Play, music, all that all those apps, you can find our podcast there as well, where you can find great interviews. And we have one. We want to present this to you now. I was not here for this, so I'm eager to hear it. Um, but you sat in with Bob Wallace, and you guys t- caught up with Bob Bunton, who is the uh, he works with the National Football Foundation here in St. Louis, and he's got some positive things to talk about. Now that we've talked about some of the negative things about football, we, we want to end on a high note. Including a great gift by 
Michael Bidwell, of all people, way in, Ar- in Arizona to help some of their, their fund some of the programs here in St. Louis. Cool. Let's get to it. Another great guest for us today on Two Sport Town. Sometimes we go national, sometimes we go local. We're going to go local today with a guy who does great work for the high school students for youth football in the area, Bob Button of the National Football Foundation, Tom Lombardo chapter here in St. Louis. Bob, welcome to the show. Appreciate it, Jim. Appreciate the opportunity to talk about our kids, okay? Hey, yeah. Bob, hey, Bob, just let me ask you to, because there are two Bob Buttons. There's one who's a, a really successful uh, high school football coach at where? Parkway North. Parkway North. That's our son. And that's, that's your son, and this is Bob Button Sr. So just so you people don't confuse, and uh, Bob Button Jr. doesn't get accused of tampering, uh, I just <laughs> want to make sure that that Well, works. and we don't want to, yeah, we, so we shouldn't ask Sr. about how the Vikings are looking, what the, what the, what the backfield's like. Pretty, pretty good program. Do, do you give him advice, uh, Sr.? Do you, do you go out to the games? Or? <laughs> he, he used to ask. He doesn't ask anymore. So I, all I do is, is watch and observe. I see. I see. That's the trouble. He's, he's, he's built a nice program. So. Yeah, that's the trouble with youth. They just don't listen anymore. No, these darn, <laughs> these darn kids. I'll tell you, the, the pull of two-sport town now, Here, here's Bob Button heading up to Chicago on a business trip, right? He, yes, sir. He pulls over. He, he could be at a truck stop for all he know, we all, but, but, but he, he pulls over so he can get a good reception. We really appreciate that, Robert. Uh, we, we appreciate the opportunity, and it's good to hear Bob Wallace. I haven't talked to Bob in a while. Good day. And, and uh, to my little Bob Bunch, uh, Bob is, and I, I guess he'll tell us a little bit about this, runs the National Football Foundation, and they give scholarship uh, and, and they uh, honor a, a high school football team from the area. And one year they honored my son, Grant, who made the team. In fact, he was the, I guess he was the top player because he got a couple thousand dollar scholarship, which was very well appreciated. But, you know, Bob, what was so interesting about that day, do you remember, I don't know if you remember this, but going home from that event... Uh, was the day that President Obama uh, came on the air and, and announced the, uh, that they had killed uh, Osama bin Laden. And I'll never forget that. It was the day we were coming back from the uh, the, the banquet over at, uh, where do you have the banquet? Somewhere in South St. Louis. Yeah, we, we, we had it in Orlando. This year we're moving over to the Sher- Sheraton Chalet in Westport. But back then we were at Orlando's down south, yeah. Right. Do you remember that? Do you remember that being the day? That, that, I do not remember. Probably I get so wound up with the banquet, I probably hadn't listened to the news before or after for a few days. So, uh, well, it was right after. I, it was right after when we were coming home, and uh, they kept saying the president's going to make a is going to make an announcement at nine fifteen or something. And we we were I remember driving home saying, wow. I don't know what it was, and uh, we were trying to guess what the announcement was, and it was the announcement of Osama bin Laden being killed. Grant Wallace a, uh, went on from John Burroughs to uh, start Yale, and now uh, he's a uh, young up-and-coming scout, right, with the Dolphins? Yes, he is. Yeah, yeah. Bob, wh- wh- tell us a little bit about the foundation and, and the work that you guys do. It's great, great work. Well, we're in our 25th year as a chapter, and uh, basically the mission of the Football Foundation as it relates to chapters is to promote the game of the amateur game of football and to recognize high school players because see, at the national level there's a – there's a banquet uh, every year in December at the Waldorf, and they give uh, 15 kids, uh, based on, on their academics, their football performance, and their leadership skills, they give them $18,000 apiece for, for postgraduate work, and then they also create, they pick the best of the best. And one year it was, you know, it was Peyton Manning that was the best of the best. But So what we do is we mirror that program at the local level, recognizing high school players, and as as Bob knows, uh, his son was one of the talented ones. These kids that we recognize and they get 
$1,500, you know, one-time scholarships. Uh, to qualify nationally, all you need is a 3.0. But the kids today is – All you need? Wait a minute now. That's not so easy for some of us. Well, let me tell you what. They've blown the, 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 the doors off because now when we have 11 kids – uh, probably the average GPA for the 11 kids is like four two. They're taking college wow. courses, and I don't know how they do. And then their community service, I don't know how they get everything done in 24 hours. They must have days that have more than 24 hours. But they're unbelievably talented kids. We tell them they're the leaders of you know of our future, and uh, they're great kids, great personalities. They're good players. Um, yeah, so we, we take a lot of uh, pride in recognizing. In the, in the 25 years, we've given over about – Four hundred fifty thousand dollars in awards, and uh, uh, that's what we do. And then we do other things to promote the game of football. We've had clinics, uh, we've had coaching clinics, we've we've uh, uh, had some donations to youth programs. Um, on some years, we will bring a couple young kids in, ten, eleven, or twelve, and l- to let them see the process and kind of serve as a carrot to them to say, hey, you know, you get to high school, you can be one of these Tux winners because we put the eleven kids in in Tuxes that's sponsored by Stallones. And uh, we get a lot of help in the community with putting the banquet on. Let me ask you, Bob, and other than Grant Wallace, uh, you, you've probably honored a bunch of uh, great players coming through this area. Can you talk about some and how proud you are when you see them progress through the, the college ranks and even what they're doing outside of athletics? Well, I'll tell you, the first name that comes to my mind is one of our first classes. Alan Barnett was a quarterback at Melville and uh, went on to be a quarterback at Washington University. And this kid, before he graduated from Washington University, was writing letters on heart surgery. Uh, I mean, he, he was he was so smart. It was unbelievable. And uh, he would just be one. And then I remember another kid by the name of Andy Special that was over in Edwardsville. He's a lawyer now. John MacArthur is a, uh, a business investment executive. He was one of our, our winners. Uh, we've had Jimmy Sansone from the Sansone Group that's in business for himself. Uh, we've got we've got lawyers and Doc Brandon Roberts, who was one of our uh, collegiate winners, uh, who in fact they won the Dratty Award up in New York. Uh, he was picked as the best of the best. And Dratty Award is, is that like the academic Heisman? Is that what it is? The Dratty. Yes, it is. Yeah. It's the academic Heisman, Jim. Exactly right. Yes, sir. Uh, he played for for Larry Kinbaum and was so impressed with what the foundation did. He delayed his medical school by one year so he could give back. He worked with a program that you know, that we call coaching academy. So, uh, um, yeah, we, there's a bunch of great kids, and I'm sorry I can't think of, of uh, some of the other ones. Uh, I certainly don't want to lay them out, but we've had a lot of great kids, and I would venture to say that none of them are struggling because they are just very, very talented kids. Now, tell us a little bit about the banquet uh, this year. When is it scheduled? Who are some of the honorees or guest speakers besides the 11 scholar-athletes that you have? Well, our banquet is Sunday, May the 11th, May the 7th, and it's at the Sheraton Chalet on, in Westport. We get going at 445. Uh, the door, that's when the door is open. It is open to the public. We ask that you call for ticket reservations because we need to work with the caterer. Um, the tickets are $55 a piece, and uh, they can get information on it. My, my number is uh, 314-277-5458. And uh, we'll have probably 500 people there. And uh, some of the other, you know, people from an adult standpoint will be recognizing Dave Peacock. Everyone's aware of Dave's involvement in the community and his success. We'll be giving him the Tom Lombardo Leadership Award. Tom Lombardo is our, for uh, our, our, our chapter so proudly named. Uh, Tom was the captain of the 1944 Army undefeated football team. Probably the Go Black Knights. Team. 
the Black Knights, and, and uh, Tom was killed in the Korean War volunteering for frontline duty. And he was everything we want the kids. We tell the kids constantly, you know, look at your plaque because it's not just another plaque. Tom Lombardo was a, was a great student, a great athlete, a great player, uh, and a great leader. Uh, you know, the story's told, and he was the quarterback for the famous backfield of Mr. Inside and Mr. Outside. And uh, he, however, he gave Davis, uh, he gave Davis uh, demerits, you know, off the field. Uh, quite a leader. Who's that? Pete and Dawkins and uh, what was Davis' first No, no, it was Blanchard and Davis. Blanchard, Blanchard and Davis. Okay, okay. Right. Dawkins was later. He was later. You know, Dawkins was a Heisman Trophy like in 57, I think. Yeah. You know, yeah. Jim is uh, a, B- a Black Knight fan because he had uh, two sons that have uh, went to West Point and, and are serving our country. So we thank Jim and his wife for his his two boys that are doing wonderful stuff for us. And I take the two. I thank the two sons. We, we tried every month at our luncheons, uh, we – have a moment of silence for for Tom Lombardo, Tom Lombardo, and also for all the military people. So, people don't aware of we the freedom that we take for granted. That there's uh, young people across the world that uh, are are serving you know our our needs. So we're very thankful. So this is May seventh, and besides Dave Peacock, uh, uh, Phil Bradley uh, is getting an award. Is that correct? Yes, sir. He's getting the Don Farrow Distinguished American Award. Phil Bradley, the ex quarterback from Mizzou, who played what I think twelve years in the in the Major League Baseball. Uh, and then we're also recognizing Dave Dore from the Post with the Bob Reg Award. Oh my God, my my idol, Bob. Let me let me interrupt you for a second. As a youngster, and not that I'm that young anymore, but uh, I I idolized Dave Dore growing up. Just his his writing skill, the energy that he had in his stories. That'll that'll be uh, that'll be great. I, I haven't seen the Dore man in a while. So Dave Dore getting recognized. Phil Bradley. Yeah, we, yeah. And then uh, another one that. Uh, Paul Day from Yanni is our coach of the year. We call that the Jimmy Councilman Award winner. Uh, Gary Carnfield from St. Louis U High is retiring, uh, and the very successful, uh, highly successful coach at St. Louis U High gets the Eddie Cookham's Award for the outstanding contribution to amateur football. Uh, Gene Barth, people recognize. I'm sure you guys recognize Gene, who was the official first official from St. Louis to, to officiate in a Super Bowl, and we're giving that goes to Chep Hurth. Um, in our Jim Otis Award, which is for outstanding contribution to our chapters, going to Randy Carricker. Um We have a John Callack Award that's going to Pat Grimshaw from Eureka that's served as a long, long-time assistant, and we do that in honor of John Cadillac. So those are the adults that are being recognized. And, uh, uh, and you know, of course, we have our, our, our 11 award winners and our most, inspira- most inspirational always becomes very significant because these young men have overcome adversity sometimes that we can't we can they're very hard for us to comprehend so uh, and that, bob you mentioned jimmy Kunzelman, and jimmy Kunzelman is a longtime coach of the uh chicago cardinals and you recently i read a nice story about uh the arizona cardinals uh contributing to your uh banquet so do you tell us how that came about well uh, you knowing the, the bidwells i do not mike you'll appreciate it uh i reached out to the kansas city chiefs because i you know read and heard that they would like to, for us in St. Louis to kind of attach ourselves to the Chiefs as, as supporters. And uh, I, I met a very nice or talked to a very nice gentleman, and he basically turned us down. And I was telling Randy Character that, you know, I got turned by the Chiefs, and he said, you ought, to, you ought to go to Michael Bidwell. And I thought, why do I want to go to Michael Bidwell? And he said, he really likes St. Louis. So we uh, wrote a letter, and uh, as I got ready to sign it, I thought it looked rather pale with my name on it, uh, not having any distinguished services. So I'm a friend of Johnny Rollins. Uh, I asked Johnny if he would sign it. And he said, sure. And then we got Dan Deardorff and Roger Worley and Coach Hannafin to sign it. And we sent it out to Michael Bidwell. And uh, 
about a week later, I heard from uh, Vice President uh, Lisa, I think Manning's her name, uh-huh. of promotions. And she said, I got this letter from uh, Michael Bidwell. He said to pass it on to me and you know, schedule it for payment. Please send us an invoice. And it was for $10,000 to support our, our top 25 program. And, and the, uh, the top 25 program is what, the top 25 uh, football players in the area? Do they have to be seniors yes. or no? No, no. They can be freshmen, sophomore, junior, seniors. Each kid has no academic tie to it. It's picked by an independent scouting service. And these are, in their view, the top 25 football players in the area. Wow. And, and who, I, who who picks that, did you say? I don't. Well, it's an independent scouting service. Okay, okay. And so the the money from the Bidwells will pay for the, not only the honorees, but for their parents, right? And for yes. the the plaque that they'll get, right? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yeah, it's 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 pretty commendable. And, and you know, we, we had an association with the Rams. In fact, we called this award the Rams Golden Horn Elite 25. And now we'll simply uh, go with the... Uh, the big red top 25, and it'll have Michael Bidwell's name on it. And uh, I think I told you, Jim, uh, the very first plaque we present, we're going to mail it out to Michael Bidwell and just put number one on it because this is a very, very significant contribution to us. We probably would have lost that program you know, had they not picked it up. So, Wow, that's that's outstanding. I'm guessing that the Rams didn't show any interest in, in keeping that, that their donation up, huh? Probably shame on me. I didn't. I didn't ask because you know they, they left abruptly, and you know the, the the atmosphere in St. Louis wasn't one of of uh, <laughs> love and concern. Although I had a great great relationship with Kyle Eversgard, who was their community outreach partner. I'm sure Bob, you know him. Yep, I do. And uh, uh, but uh, no, I, I, that's fine, Jim. I didn't ask, but I mean, let's put it this way: when they left, they didn't even pay for for last year. So, and I don't mean poor them. I'm not picking. I'm just saying it just. It just ended, and we both sides just kind of severed the, the ties. And uh, I, I continue to talk to Kyle, but I don't, I don't have much relationship with anybody else anymore. Well, as you as you said, you know, Michael and, and Jim said Michael uh, or really enjoyed uh, his St. Louis, and uh, I know he was a real supporter of uh, keeping the Rams in St. Louis during the league meetings. And uh, you know, the Bidwell family uh, was always a very, very charitable family. Even uh, Mr. Bidwell, uh, way back when, Bill the dad, uh, he would be, would, would do some really philanthropic things and never want credit for it. Uh, sure. So, you know, I mean, I remember one year he gave a bunch of shoes to uh, East St. Louis football team. Uh, mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. you know, the Bidwell family has always been a very generous family uh, and sometimes like to do a lot of things under the radar. Well, you know what, Jim and Bob, when, uh, after we uh, got the, uh, the approval from them, I sent thank you emails to the, uh, to Johnny Rowland and Worley and, and Deardorff and Hannafin, and, and uh, all of them said they were not surprised at all. They said this is typical of Michael Bidwell. So they apparently continue to have a very good rapport with, uh, you know, with the uh, with Michael anyway. I, I they I don't know. In fact, I'm not even sure how Bill is doing, but uh, uh, we're very thankful to him. And they've I've heard that about my, about Bill Bidwell also that uh, uh, the police department. I heard some years he funded that thing almost single-handedly. So. Uh, it's great stuff, and it's helpful to us, and that's what it's all about. I mean, we, we don't succeed in our chapter if we don't have people that, that see the vision and we call giving back. Um, we've, we've got a bunch of angels in the area that give us some small, some you know larger, because we operate at 100%. We're a 100% volunteer group, and uh, we take pride in that every year. We give $25,000 away to some very deserving kids. And, you know, another thing that's pretty cool, I think, the coaches, if uh, if we give an award to a kid that's a Division one scholarship player 
uh, by the NCAA rules, I mean, we can send the money, but it won't go to him because you can only get, you know, a scholarship. So what we do is we tell the kid, now you, what we'll do is we'll turn around. We're not going to keep the money. We'll donate it to your high school football program in your name. So $1,500 is a lot of money to, to a high school budget because, I mean, I know personally. So well, we, we, we work. Yeah, it, it, it sure is. And now uh, uh, tell us a little bit. You mentioned Angels. Uh, you got a little help from Kyle Eversgird uh, in, in recent months. Tell us about that. <laughs> Jim, I've told you that that's the most bizarre thing ever. He called me, I don't know, it's four or five months ago, and wanted to know if we wanted some footballs and jerseys and that stuff. And not thinking real quick, I said, sure, I guess. I don't know what we're going to do with it. But anyway, uh, I was heading home. My wife said, you better get here. They shows up a truck line with five skids of material. And uh, I had 700 brand-new footballs. And uh, if we can have a little humor in the program, most of them were Tom Brady balls. They were all deflated. Uh-oh. I thought, Uh-oh. I thought uh, what, how in the world are there 700 footballs here? Well, you know, you can put a lot of deflated balls in a box. And then we had uh, jerseys. We had shorts. We had uh, sweatshirts. We, you know, hoodies. Uh, we had uh, gym bags, what I call them, showing my age with gym bags. They don't call them anymore. And, uh I decided I gave a bunch of the stuff to DJ Johnson for his program. Demetrius, yeah. But Demetrius, yeah. And uh, we, so we were able to get almost every public high school with footballs, with mouthpieces, with jerseys, with hoodies, and uh, got a nice note from Jason Dulick uh, over at Gateway Stamps saying this is unbelievable because uh, uh, he said, believe it or not, we sometimes have kids that don't have a mouthpiece. Well, we, they sent us, I mean, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of mouthpieces. I've never seen so many mouthpieces in my life. And, uh, because when you put 50 in a bag and then you got, you know, hundreds and hundreds of bags in a box, it, it's just, it's mouthpieces galore. So we were, we were fortunate that we were certainly not, no money that was coming from us, but it was something that was donated to us that we were able to share with the amateur football community and more specifically in the public high league. Yeah, and, and uh, you said what, uh, it came from a... Uh, maybe an NFL program that was uh, disbanded or something? Or it, it, it Jim, was... you know how the NFL has different programs, you know, with trying to support youth. They have a program, I think, called Junior Player Development. Because mm-hmm. Some of these jerseys had that on there. And the only thing I can figure, because it did not show the Rams, although Kyle's the one that directed it, but it, it just had um, NFL on some of the stuff, and a lot of the equipment it had NFL, and then it even had the, uh, the Army National Guard on it. So I'm sure it was some programs that they sponsored sponsored in the nfl having the money they have i'm sure they kept ordering and you know figuring they, we needed more and more um so they looked like some of the stuff was i, I told you Jim, like from germany some of the boxes had enough dust and dirt on it and i thought what in the world is an issue and opened up be brand new gear so this had to be sitting in some warehouse and i'm sure somebody did an inventory and said we don't even have that program we need to get rid of it so they went to the cows of the world and uh, uh kyle was fortunate i mean we were fortunate that kyle thought of us and we were able to Make a lot of kids and a lot of uh, public high programs pretty happy. So, um, talking with Bob Button here of the local chapter, the National Football Foundation, they do a lot of great work. They've got their banquet coming up, and uh, Bob Button Senior actually now was a junior that told you that those footballs were they're pretty high quality too, right? <laughs> yeah, they. I had him come over look as I didn't really know, and he said those are game balls worth eighty bucks a piece. So if you do the math, we had like $56,000 worth of football sitting in my garage. So I, I think I should move my car out because it's not <laughs> worth that. Put the, put, the, put the footballs in the garage. But, uh, and then we had all these boxes of jerseys and hoodies and everything. So we, we thought we had probably ninety dollars to $100,000 worth of gear. And uh, I'm sure we gave DJ you know, most of it. So 
he was able to uh, uh, to spread it out among some schools, and we made some kids pretty darn happy because I know one coach told me he said every kid got something. So uh, pretty pretty neat stuff, and that's yeah. that's what we do. We we function as a you know as a support group to as many programs. We wish we could generate more money so that we could be more impactful to kids that are very deserving and programs are very deserving. Um, believe it or not, I had a story told me this year that. One program said that the there, there I guess there was I didn't know it's a Missouri state law that the mouthpieces have to be black. I know they used to be clear. Well, apparently you can't yeah. have clear anymore. And supposedly a coach went to his athletic director and told me the mouthpiece, and they told him they didn't have a budget. And I'm thinking, you know, those things are a buck, a buck and a half. And if we had a lot of money, we would buy mouthpieces for everybody that didn't have one. But we don't always have the funds at our disposal. So I mean, sometimes we search for money only because we're turning around to give it away as quick as we get it. So. Um, there's a lot of need in the football community today, and of course, football's being attacked because of the injury, and more specifically, the the concussion issue. And uh, uh, so, we've tried to partner with some other programs that would generate money, but we would be the the go-between, if you would, for like concussion uh, sessions with parents, kids, and coaches, uh, because it's an educational process that's needed. Yeah, it, it 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 it's interesting what you do, Bob Button, senior of the National Football Foundation. Uh, your 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 great works made a little tougher by the departure of the Rams, but but as you mentioned, you get uh, you get free football and and equipment just kind of fall out of the sky. Bill Bidwell donates money to 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 help your your program. It's 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 great great work that you're doing. I I also want to ask you about. Uh, a new uh, program that you had this year. I believe it was new. You had a signing day breakfast for what area football, high school football players, right? Jim, yeah, it was our second year actually. And it was, uh, we, we decided it will be an annual affair because uh, there's 125 chapters across the country. And we were one of three that, 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 that sponsored a, you know, a, a recruiting day ceremony. And we had a kind of little breakfast over at the Norwood Country Club. And we had 80 kids show up from 20 different schools. Randy Character was uh, emceeing it. We had Howard Richards come in and talk to the kids about the, you know, the college experience. And uh, it's a tremendously successful event because the kids, you know, it's not kids that are going to University of Michigan or Notre Dame. or We had five kids from the Ivy League. Bobby will appreciate that. Uh, we had kids that probably don't get a lot of notoriety. They're signing. Some kids even signing at a junior college. But they get the, the media was very good. All three channels were there. And they not only announce the names, and we get them, give them the microphone, let them make their their announcement where they're going, and their parents are there, and then some of the sports writers are interviewing them. Uh, and it was a very, very successful day. A lot of kids happy, a lot of parents happy, and the coaches love it too. So, yeah, we'll have that annually. But again, thankful to sponsors. We had uh, Bill Suntrup kindly helped support it. Bill helps so many, many people, and Dave Sabata from Morazic, the uh, the Rams uh, moving company. Uh, those two guys helped us, uh, you know, sponsor the event, and uh, which we we meet. Unfortunately, we're we're beggars. Every time we have something, we have to go beg and, and get the donation. So, I don't want there's a message out there. I don't want you to get a call. From, I don't want you to get a call from Dave Sabata. He he stopped moving the Rams. He doesn't want to take any credit for moving them out to L.A. I'm sure. Yeah. Well, strike that. You guys got the electronic equipment. Strike that. Then Gary, we may have to do Gary Harrelson, our, our executive producer. We may have to do some editing there. Uh, we, we really appreciate you coming on the show, uh, Bob Button, here on Two Sport Town. A, a, a great cause, some, some great stories, a great gesture by the Bidwells. But, Bob, before we let you go, before you, you uh, start up that uh, motor in the car and, and, and head on up to Chicago to finish off your business trip, tell us one more time just the, the basic details of your banquet 
coming up here in May and how people can get tickets. The 25th Annual Banquet is Sunday, May the 7th, and it will be held at the Sheraton Chalet on Westport. Uh, we get going at 4.45. Uh, tickets are available. They're $55 a piece, $550 for a table of 10. You'll have a fun night. It's some great, great stories. It's all positive. And uh, to get information, you can call me at 314-277-5458, and we'd appreciate your consideration and support. Okay? Sounds good. Bob Button, thank you very much. Bob Wallace, thank you once again for co-hosting. That's going to wrap it up for this edition of Two Sport Town. Drive safely, Bob. Thank you. Appreciate it, Mike. Bob, Jim, Gary, thank you.